Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk OGs, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. All right, folks, today we have a very, very special treat for you. We are joined by our guest of honor, Mr. Paul Chorley from Automate Pro. Paul, why don't you give a quick intro and tell us exactly what Automate Pro is? Good morning, Rob. Uh, Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Super excited about this. So Automate Pro, fundamentally, it's a test automation and DevOps solution targeted specifically at ServiceNow. And our vision of what Automate Pro was all about was to create the world's leading platform to enable customers of ServiceNow to release and upgrade as quickly and easily, as cost-free and as risk-free as possible. That sounds like something I want. Um, I'm excited about this because Paul and I have done a showcase on Automate Pro before. If you want to actually see it happen, we'll have a link in the description below to the video Paul and I did a while back. This should be still a good video, right, Paul? Yeah, it was a few years ago. Enjoyed doing that. It was a great video. Things have moved on, obviously, since then, but a lot of the, well, all of that content is still valid. We just do it even better and even faster now. Yeah, I can't, like, this is why... Another reason why I was dying to get you on the podcast because the whole concept of testing is evergreen because basically nothing out there is making it easy. And I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, is ATF really scaled? Like, has everybody really got the the sum of their platform in ATF ready and they're pushing that button every release just to make sure? Or is that an illusion that we've built for ourselves? I think the the reality is that... People are, are struggling to make it do exactly what they want it to do and give, give them the coverage that they need. I think there is there is a place for ATF. I think certain uh, smaller ServiceNow customers may find that gives them what they need. Where we really find the white space for Automate Pro is especially with large quality focused, I'm going to call them, or quality oriented organizations. So you've got the Rolls Royce of the world, the Toyotas, those kinds of where quality is inbred in their brand. But also then you've got the organizations where quality is, you know, is not an option. So highly regulated organizations, they have to follow strict processes around testing and verification of any change they make to their systems, their platforms. And that includes ServiceNow. So what about quality for the rest of us, right? Like um, you mentioned folks like Toyota, right? And they're just world renowned for their commitment to quality. They, they literally invented a framework, right? Um, yeah. That the, that a lot of folks have adopted um, because they've been so really good at it. Then you have like the other folks who like pharmaceutical companies and such that are regulated. And so they need to have this validation from point to point to point, right? And, and that's not an option either. 
But then there are the rest of us who maybe don't fit into either of those buckets. Maybe our management doesn't necessarily want or value like the Toyota letter level of quality and they aren't government regulated. Like how do yeah. how do we get that, that same level of quality, especially in something like ServiceNow? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's equally a problem, right? No one wants to be spending money on testing um, when they don't need to be. Everyone's looking for more efficient ways of doing things, especially at the moment, the macroeconomic climate. So we've got to do more with the people that we've got. Not everybody has a budget to get more resource in. So we need to be more efficient and effective. So the the conversation with those sorts of organizations is, well, look, you've got a team of five people or 10 people, whatever it is, and you want to be getting the maximum out of those people as possible. What you don't want your developers doing in that situation, and we know that, especially ServiceNow at the moment, to service now developers are, are scarce and they're high cost. The rates are rising, you know, all the time. So you want those guys, those skilled guys, to be making configuration changes, configuring new modules, bringing out the real power from service now. What you don't want those guys doing is writing some code in tools like ATF, which need, you know, I think generally accepted, you need to be quite a competent developer to be able to use. So really maximizing the efficiency is the soundbite for those sorts of organizations. I just want to go over one thing that's just, it kind of keeps me up at night. And it's not just the the efficiency of it, right? Or how many, like how much extra oomph can I get per person who's focused on the testing? It's just how bad is it in the trenches? <laughs> like we have to, we have to upgrade basically twice a year, yeah. right? Minimally, this yeah. platform keeps growing horizontally. There's always some new process module rolling on. There's always some new or trialed out tech that we need to like move to or think about moving to. And so you've got that twice a year and your stakeholders are all across the organization. So it's not like, it's not just, okay, hey, IT, who's probably used to like stopping whatever they're doing and testing something. Yeah. But can you do that for HR? Can you do that for SecOps? Can you do that for facilities management? Can you do that to your finance department? Like they're in the middle of close, right? They're in the middle of financial close for the organization. And you're like, hey guys, you got to stop for 10 days and like (laughs) test your stuff. Like, how did we get here? This is the problem, isn't it? ServiceNow has been so successful now that it's rolling out, as you say, across the organization and everybody's jumping on and wanting the, you know, the latest module that fixes their enterprise workflow problems for their functional area. And that's fantastic. But what that's brought with it, as you say, is the increase in the potential for things to go really wrong in a bad way. Brilliant example, Rob, is the, we had a customer who they had the HR module and they tweaked an ACL rule nothing to do with the HR, HR module, or so they thought. They tweaked this <laughs> ACL rule, and it blew up HR. And of course, Monday morning, when it all went wrong, the head of HR was jumping up and down and saying, what the hell was going on? Service now is not working. And everybody was you know, saying, well, we haven't changed anything. It's all, it should all be working. And of course, it's the potential for knock-on impact across yeah. the functional areas now, which has increased every time we roll out a new module, that's the risk increases. Can I just say a couple more things that just, again, they keep me up at night and I'm hoping you got an answer for us. This idea that what we build is invisible. It's not like we're manufacturing cars and we can like look at the car and say, what's that thing sticking out the side? Like that's not supposed to be there. Yeah. There's such visibility problems to the things that we build. And the second thing is that our consumer who I would say a lot of the ecosystem expects the consumer is kind of 
very responsible for their part of the testing, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, how did this get all the way to prod? Well, maybe you didn't test as much. And they're like, how are they? It's not their job. Yeah. They know what their job is. This is just like a tool about the job and they're not the tools manufacturer. And again, the visibility problem. So you, you can almost see why things aren't documented as well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the visibility thing is, is a really interesting one. And that's why, you know, our approach to testing is that the system should be tested in a way that will as closely as possible represent how the user is going to use it. I always, use, I always call it the Monday morning test, right? You're going to make some changes. You put a new release in on the weekend. On a Monday morning, when somebody goes in and raises a critical security incident at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, they need to be able to raise that. If the system hasn't been tested in the exact same way as that user will do that on a Monday, there's a potential that it could go wrong and there'd be egg on the face of you know a lot of people if that happens. So that, that visibility and the ability to be able to test exactly like the end user is really, really important. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is you're absolutely right about the business. Oh, these are busy people, right? They're, they're busy running the business, uh, making their, their functional areas productive as possible. They haven't got the time to spend a week testing, user acceptance testing, a new release or a, an upgrade of service now. They just, they just want it to work. So, you know, we've tried to build in tools inside of Automate Pro that help those people be able to verify that their Monday morning process is still going to work, but without having to spend hours and hours or days at the keyboard making sure it's going to work. Yeah, so that's, that is a very good and, and I think very um, succinct value message, right, for Automate Pro. Because when I think about testing, I think about a part of the project that is often under-resourced, yeah. right, and often the last thing to be done and therefore the first thing to be squeezed. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I spent many years of my career as a project manager and the number of times I had to go to the the, the QA manager in, uh, in my project and say, hey guys, uh, we're, we're running over a little bit on the development. Can you squeeze your testing into you know, a week rather than two? It's the thing that gives, isn't it, in a project. It's the thing that can get condensed. And that means that you're taking risk. You know, At the end of the day, that's what it's about. And you don't really want to be doing that. And you can't be doing that in these you know, large organizations, cross-functional areas. ServiceNow has become business critical now, haven't we? You know, let's face it, it's, it used to be an IT help desk tool, service portal. If your mouse broke, you needed a new one, you'd request it. It's not like that anymore. You know, businesses are running their enterprise workflow. Their order-to-cash processes are engineered on ServiceNow. It's critical. So that's a good point. ServiceNow is becoming business critical. I like yeah. that um, because especially when I started, it wasn't acknowledged as such. And, and then after you built, say, like change management on it and change management was rigorously enforced, then you'd start to see where the business would be like, hey, this thing actually can't go down. You actually need to put the change management system through change management processes if you want to upgrade it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and now like there's obviously so much more. That ServiceNow is running, uh, especially horizontally, with all the different verticals that are that are out there now, that yeah. the business can't afford that downtime for ServiceNow. And, and what, yeah, no and, and you know, a crucial part of change management, as we all know, is testing verification. You know, so you know, as soon as a change goes to the change board, the first thing they're going to look at is what testing has been done. Right. Has this change affected anything else in the system? And that ability to produce that evidence, especially in heavily regulated, quality focused organizations, but not just those that, you know, everyone wants to know 
that their system is not going to be brought down by this change that they're implementing. And that's why for Automate Pro, you know, we weren't just thinking about let's automate the testing, make that simple, easy, quick as possible uh, with 100% coverage. But also, what are the outputs that the change board need to be able to look at when they're reviewing the change and assessing the risk of that? And they're going to need documentation. They want to see the test plans. They're going to want to see the results. They're going to want to see what defects were raised and how they were fixed. They want to see that UAT is being completed and acceptable. And they want to see that the documents have been updated. So this is, you know, we were thinking when we, when we had the vision for Automate Pro, we had the vision that it was going to help all team members within the delivery process, not just testers. Right. Because you're saying it's not it's not enough just to test and hit a checkbox that the testing was done. You actually need the evidence that the testing was completed. Right. Uh, yeah. Corey, exactly. how many change controls have you done where it's like test plan? You write it in the, ch- the test plan and then maybe you put in the work notes like I tested. Yeah, and that was much. it. And yeah. that was it. And <laughs> <laughs> just like, on that right. <laughs> like broken into a cold sweat here thinking about <laughs> thinking about uh, like because service now really I'm sure there's someone over there, but I, like I just don't know if somebody has seriously thought about if this thing is so successful and people start trusting serious operational workflows with it. Yeah. Like let's put our life sciences technology on this. Let's put our our manufacturing safety mechanism stuff on this where eventually some flows out there are so important that they are measured in lives lost for failure. It's happening, you know, it's because it's a a great platform. So it's becoming more of the business processes, the critical business processes are being run on it. And that's why we're super excited because the more critical it gets, the more you need to test, the more you need to assure yourself, the more you need to have control of the ServiceNow environment. It worries me that ServiceNow instances and update sets can be moved around and put in without with very little control of what's going on, what versions of configurations and in what environments, you know, who put them there, what evidence was there that they that they actually work? Have we verified that they work in that new environment and we haven't mm-hmm. broken anything else? And how do I get there without trusting you? You know what I mean? Like that yeah. zero trust reassurance. Like, I don't want to have to just trust that you did it. I want to see evidence of it. And I think evidence, like we've talked about the scary bits of testing and kind of why like the status quo doesn't cut it. But evidence, I think, is a great angle into what you guys do, Paul. And before we entirely screwed up the first recording and got halfway through with that, (laughs) (laughs) you were mentioning something about a quality controlled organization has to even take screenshots. Yeah, so if I think back to my first career was an analyst programmer for an investment company, and we were testing then pretty much in the same way as I see companies still test today, and that is Word documents of the test script, Excel spreadsheets of the the outcome of the tests with you know defects tracked in Excel spreadsheets. This is still being done today. You know, it staggers me that we walk into organizations and this kind of thing is still going on. Yes, those things might be, you know, there's Word documents and Excel is maybe stored in Agile or something like that. But, you know, this is still going on. We haven't really moved forward. And the organizations that we typically talk to are the large, heavily regulated or, you know, quality focused organizations. And they they have really strict requirements for 
the, for example, the screenshots have to, in certain organizations, to meet regulations, they have to have a URL at the top on the screenshot, and they have to have a date timestamp at the bottom. And the reason for that is because what they don't want is people being able to go into paint and sort of adjust a screenshot and take it two weeks after the test because they forgot the, you know, they should have done that step of the test. These have to be rigorously controlled in an environment where you can't go in and tamper and just squirt a screenshot in just at the last minute because you forgot it. And the requirements are really strict. These are the kinds of levels of rigor that these organizations need to meet their regulatory requirements. And just following up on that, right, because I find that fascinating. How many of these organizations, right, are tracking the, the resources needed? to make that happen and like what that spend looks like and as a percentage of maybe their total tech spend or their total uh, service now spend, right? Like it sounds like to me, in order to do that effectively, you need to devote a significant portion of your service now team to just that action. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's absolutely the case. And, And what startles me a bit is that that's become acceptable, that large teams of people in need to be brought together, especially for upgrades, and we've got a couple of organizations that we work with. They spend three months, you know, sometimes three months more with a, a large team. We're talking 20, 30 people. Often it's provided by a ServiceNow provider as well. So, you know, these aren't low-cost resources. These are expensive resources. They're brought together. All the focus is on upgrades. I think organizations are starting to realize, especially now that Automate Pro, you know, we're starting to grow and get a visibility in the market. I think people are starting to question the spend on upgrades is too high. That money could be better deployed on rolling out new upgrades of modules of service now or increasing the usage in certain areas and getting more value from the platform. It shouldn't be money spent just keeping up to date on you know the latest version. That's not good spend. That's one of the things that folks look at when you start talking about testing, because they slot testing in as like a maintenance kind of function and they slot development in as like the new and pretty. How can we get the next feature that is going to create that value? But that uh, sometimes I don't think that they really realize that testing is actually a really huge value creator as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see with customers that are struggling with upgrades. I was talking to a customer the other day and they said, the great thing about Automate Pro is that now that we have confidence that we can do upgrades at the click of a button, we will now move to twice yearly upgrades. They were only doing once a year, not out of choice, but because the whole damn thing was so painful and extraordinarily resource hungry and costly, that was almost enforced on them. They were so exhausted by the upgrade process that they did one a year. Now they're going to move to two a year and that will mean they can jump on the new modules that service now. I mean, they were, they were going to knowledge events and going, that's a fantastic new module, but we're not on that version. You know, we're not going to be on that version for a year and a half. <laughs> so we can't take advantage of it. So right. you know, that's when testing becomes a value add. If you can test and upgrade seamlessly and quickly, then you can get the value out of the platform. So we know that it's, it's something that's got to be done. The more often you can get it done, the better. It's got to be done thoroughly, but how do you take the effort out of the system? This is the big problem, especially with automated testing. Automated testing has been around for quite a while now. And what we wanted to do was to solve some of the fundamental problems with automated testing. And those typically are not around the initial build of the tests. You know, you'll see a lot of systems available 
commercially that have you believed that you can create tests in a matter of seconds? They're typically kind of click and record stuff. I don't know whether you've seen those. You, mm-hmm. you know, you open up service now and you say, right, I'm going to record a test now. And you start filling in the form and it sort of tracks what you're doing. And then, yeah. oh, there's your, there's your test script. That, that all looks great until... ServiceNow come along and change the UI, you know, and a great, <laughs> a great example of that was the next experience, right? So if you've created your tests using that click and record method, every single one of those tests is going to break when you move to the next experience. So we wanted to solve that problem. We didn't like that. We don't even have click and record actually. And because of that very reason, it looks great, but it's not robust. And that's the biggest problem with test automation. It's not the initial creation, it's the maintenance. You've got to have a system whereby if ServiceNow upgrades their UI, those tests are still going to work so that you know any defect that's raised is not related to your script being out of date or wrong, but it's actually a genuine defect. In the world of testing, it's called test rot. I don't know whether you've come across that phrase, but it's, it's basically like the decay of your tests over time. I love that term, right? Test rot. (laughs) That might be a nice band name. Um, But but one of the things that I really just got from that is you don't really want your testing to to also become like a maintenance sink, right? right? Like, like you're like you're implementing testing to reduce the amount of time or automated testing, right? You're implementing automated testing to reduce the amount of time that your testing takes, but then you need to test and maintain the testing that's reducing the testing. And you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, how, so how does Automate Pro like help us with that? I, I totally get that. And it was interesting. One of the projects I was worked on a few years ago before Automate Pro, I called them out and I said, look, you've got a project to test your project. <laughs> you've got an entire other project just testing you know test automation and there was code and the code was under code control and config management and it had to go through a release but i was like oh my god you've created a whole project here so anyway putting that to one side so that the approach that we've taken is to make it as simple as possible to update the tests in line with the configuration changes that you're making. And you've got to do that. There's no getting away from the fact that you've got to keep your tests in line, you know. But we try and make that as simple as possible. And the the way that we've made that as simple as possible is is with something called model blocks. And these are reusable components. They're almost like procedures in, in code so that you're not creating the same test over and over again. You've got a block of, of tests and that block may be used in, you know, a hundred different tests. Let's say it's, you know, how you navigate to a particular part of the service portal or something. That would be a model block. And you'd reuse that model block over and over in different tests and navigate into the portal and get to certain places. Now, if the navigation changes, and this happens a lot, we find with our customers, they might change the top level menu structure of their portal. They might put another layer in or rejig it. So in traditional sort of test automation, you'd have to go into every one of those hundred tests and right. go and amend that to, you know, to change it to follow the new navigation. It also sounds painful. Yeah, awful. I mean, it's horrendous. I'm the same we've heard in ATF because there's no way of doing this in ATF. So you've got to go in 100. And as you say, that then becomes bigger than the actual change you were making. You know, Right. That, that change to the navigation. I don't know. I'm not a developer, but let's say it's half a day's work. Changing 100 test scripts, that might be two or three days work. I don't know. Right. So... You know, in Automate Pro, you go into that model block, you make that one change once, you test it, 
and then that affects that ripples through if you like all those hundred tests so you know what we've tried to do is bring new best practice and innovation into this world of test automation and solve these problems people if the tests aren't up to date they're no use and you know so that that was a critical problem that we wanted to solve so it sounds like Automate Pro is the service now for testing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're a really innovative company. We want to, you know, we thought about these problems. It's hard for us because people see click and record and they say, oh, yeah, that looks good. That looks really easy. Looks great on a sales demo. In reality, it's really not very good. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, there's one thing that I was super blown away by with the video that we did is that if you're careful enough, you can hit two birds with one stone in a lot of ways. So can you talk a little bit about Automate Pro as software delivery, not just testing? Yeah, Wayne is my business partner. He's worked in the IT delivering projects just like me for you know 30 odd years. And we've involved, because we've done multiple roles throughout our careers, we've done pretty much everything you do in the software delivery life cycles. Our philosophy around testing is that you should test as the end user is going to use the system on a Monday morning, right? So almost like use cases, user scenarios, and it follows the process the user will follow through on a Monday morning. Now, if you take that approach to building your test, not only does that make sure that on a Monday morning it's going to work for your user, but what we realized was we were also capturing screenshots as we went through that process step by step. When you come to create a user guide or a process guide or a training guide of that process, what do you need? Well, you need step-by-step step going through each step of the process, and you're probably going to need a screenshot of what it looks like along the way, and you need a description of what you're doing. Well, okay, so if we take what we've done from the test, the output of the testing, and we repurpose that, so we've got a clever function which basically takes that output from the test execution, all the screenshots, all of the descriptions, all of the steps, recasts that in the form of a user guide. So that turns into a knowledge base article, step-by-step -step instructions. Hey, presto, you've just created yourself a training guide, user guide, process document, whatever you want to call it. And it's branded. You can change the colors. It's got a contents page, you know, all the stuff. Now, I used to be a business analyst in my, one of my roles years ago, and producing user guides used to be a completely separate activity from testing. And you would open up Word, and what would you do? You'd go into ServiceNow, you'd grab a screenshot, you put it in Word, you write some text around it, grab the next one. So we're saving, I don't know, days. I mean, I used to produce user guides. It used to take two to five days to create a decent user guide. You can do that in Automate Pro in a few seconds with a click to your mouse. The great thing about that as well, going back to the test rot thing, you also got user guide rot. So as soon as you <laughs> yeah, I like that. I just made that up. Um, if you, you know, as soon as you change the system, you add a field onto a catalog item, you, what's happened is your user guide is out of date. That instant, that's done. So this stops that because you've updated the test to test that new field on the catalog item press the button and the user guide is updated with all the new screenshots. So, you know, it's killing two birds with one stone is a great way of looking at it. We're trying to repurpose the information as many times as possible. So tell me you love developers without telling me you love developers, right? Like that's just what I heard. <laughs> I mean, the thing is developers are, you know, absolutely key in all of this. And what we want to be doing is making them as efficient as possible. So we all know ServiceNow developers at the moment, they're scarce, right? And everyone's chasing after the same 
set of developers. Yeah. Uh, and that makes them high cost. I mean, I, I saw this way back in the 80s with SAP uh, resource where, the, you know, the, the rates were ridiculous. And the, I can see the same thing happening with, with ServiceNow. So what we've got to do is make sure those developers are doing what their niche skill set is. And that is configuring ServiceNow, introducing new modules, making sure that we're using it in the best way, you know, making it efficient code. And what we don't want those guys doing is writing tests. We don't want them creating documentation. We want to create those, you know, take those sort of non-value added activities as much as possible. I think I saw a stat recently that about 30% of a developer's time is actually spent developing code and 70% is on sort of non-value added, moving update sets through environments, you know, trying to handle all of that deployment stuff and things. So we, one of our aims is to make that 30%, move that dial 30% to size, I know, 70%, 80%, get them really efficient in doing what they're great at. I think on the documentation side, we're not going to get much more efficiency because I just don't think it's being done, right? <laughs> I yeah. think it's a fraction of the ecosystem that does documentation. But here we are. How many years have I ranted about it, Corey? How many years? <laughs> and it's a button away. It's a button away. The value, right? The value here, Duke, right? It's just immense. Um, yeah. From a lot of different perspectives, right? Push button documentation. Oh, my God. Push button test deployment. Oh, my God. The ability to scale that and to scale the updates on that. Oh, my God. And, and look, this is last piece, right? That management doesn't really care about, but I'm, I'm still in the trenches. And I absolutely love is that you're going to take all the things that I don't want to be doing and yeah. do them in an automated fashion, right? Like I don't want to be writing documentation, right? It's, it's absolutely necessary. So I do it. I hate moving update sets from instance to instance, right? Like I hate running the tests and writing the tests, right? Like all mm -hmm. of that stuff. I don't want to do any of that. And you're telling me not only can Automate Pro do that for me, right? Now I don't have to do it, which is great, but it's going to do it better than I could anyway. Absolutely. Developers are developers because you love developing code, right? You don't love, <laughs> right. You don't love doing documentation and moving up there. That's not why, you know, we've got, we've got developers uh, in our organization, obviously developing Automate Pro, and they want to be writing the code and doing clever, you know, clever thing, the configuration. This is the way that we see the world. Let's get everybody in the software delivery lifecycle involved with ServiceNow. Let's remove the mundane, repetitive, the manual activities, make everybody more efficient. And as a result of that, everyone will be happier. And the ServiceNow platform is going to be higher quality. It's going to make the users more happy because there's less defects in it. So this is what we're trying to aim for. One last thing, Paul. You get HR shipped with your instance, but the second you start making your own configurations to it, you've essentially got like HR 1.01, right? Right, yeah. And we have things going, development going in parallel, some things reaching prod before other things, even though they're started later. And were you mentioning that Automate Pro has something to help with that, with the actual deployment of the work? Yeah, we have. And, and really it stems back to fundamental realization that we, we uh, arrived at. So we understand, we're looking at the ServiceNow environment, different instances, development, test, staging, you know, production. And what's really interesting is that there's no real concept in ServiceNow of the release to production route. The instances don't know about each other and they don't know their purpose and they don't know where they sit in that route to production. So what we've done as part of our auto deploy module, which essentially moves update sets from one environment to another, 
um, automatically so you don't have to mess around with you know moving update sets manually but more than just doing that kind of a bit of rpa really moving things around it's the control around that and it's the understanding of what products you're creating so we have the, the concept of products so that might be hr you could define as a product and then you've got the concept of product versions so just as you say as soon as you install version one of hr that's in dev you configure it we understand that that configuration now is version 1.1 of hr and we un- understand the update sets that make that up and we also of course link that to the test that verifies what means 1.1 works you know what does good look like for version 1.1 and then we understand because we're automatically moving that product through the different environments we understand where each of those instances in terms of the version so we've got version 1.1 on dev we've got version one on test and we've got nothing in production and as we gradually make these incremental changes we're controlling those versions of those products and we know which version of which product is on what instance and whether it works because we've also got the testing piece coming in and importantly we've also got which is the kind of nirvana situation we've also got the linkage back to the requirement the original requirement so we can track that requirement is tested by this it's in this release is in this instance and we know where everything is and in full control. Any organization that is going to be using ServiceNow as a business critical or enterprise platform is going to need that kind of level of control across all of these environments. Wow. Sometimes I feel like, you know, the the proper question to ask is, what what doesn't Automate Pro do? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't make a cup of tea. (laughs) But we can work on that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's some smart teapots out there now, right? I mean, we could probably figure that out. There's organizations now, there's customers of ours that are realizing that what they thought was good was actually not good. They were putting up with good enough and they're they're really starting to see that. I mean, we're we're getting stats back now of you know, 90% cost savings on upgrades. I think the number is 72% more test coverage. Wow. We've got 83% reduction in team size. And so these, you know, we were talking earlier about the team size needed for testing. You can reduce that by 83%. This is big, big numbers start to come in. This is paying for itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the R- there are ROI is simple calculation because of the, you know, the sorts of costs involved. And we haven't even factored in, which you should do really in a full business case, is the risk reduction side of things. So, yeah. you know, as we talked about before, if we go, if ServiceNow becomes business critical, if it's frontline I think Coca-Cola actually use ServiceNow for their B2C app, uh, I understand. So you can actually go on your mobile phone now and buy a crate of Coca-Cola and have it delivered to your door. You know, that if that goes wrong, that is, you know, it's customer impacting and that's going to affect Coca-Cola's reputation. So we need to make sure those sorts of things work. So you can start to factor in, well, what's the risk to reputation if that app is not available for two hours while they fix a bug that was introduced in the new release? You know, just on a cost efficiency and time-saving basis, it stacks up. If you factor in things like risk reduction, then, you know, it's a no-brainer. Okay, and this is why I had to have you on the show, Paul, is just, it's a miracle app, as far as I'm concerned, in the ServiceNow space. You're just talking about if I'm regulated... It's easy passes on my regulations. Even if I'm not regulated, but I'm quality conscious, it's push button whenever I want, receive my test results. It's 
ridiculous savings of labor, which means I can push this app even wider. And as the product owner, I can get more victories under my belt so I can move on to my next thing. Yeah. And then you finally get Robert to shut up for two seconds about the doom and gloom if you don't have documentation <laughs> about what you've built. It checks all the boxes. It checks all the boxes. So Paul, if somebody listened to this episode and they want to like find out more, how would they go ahead and do that? And we'll still have links in the description below. Everybody take a shot. We will have a link in the description below for how to contact Automate Pro. But what else yeah. could they do, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't mind people reaching out to me. I love to speak about this stuff. You know, it's my it's my baby. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. Happy to have a conversation. Obviously, there's a website, www.automatepro.com. Loads of information on there. There's a contact button. The guys were, were a super friendly team. We're all like me, I would say, and friendly. We love ServiceNow. We love everything about ServiceNow. Hit us up on the, the website. We'll get you sorted. Let's have a conversation about it. All right, Paul, final war is yours. Um, oh, you caught me out there, Rob. <laughs> like, but I already said my final word. <laughs> that was it. That was done. That was it. <laughs> 84 nice. episodes in and we still haven't got our conclusion. Right. Oh, no, that's brilliant. Uh, no, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, Rob. Super uh, great conversation. Love talking about this stuff, as I say. So uh, anytime you want me on again, happy to, happy to come in. Pleasure was ours, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk, OGs, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that? Huh? Service now. Come on. Yeah. I said welcome to the winner's circle.